You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down tonight's UFC Vegas 38 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. For our longtime listeners, I'd like to quickly apologize for missing the last few events. You know, life gets in the way, but I can promise you that Nick and I will do everything we can to get an odds cast out for all of you for each UFC event when possible. Now, if you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 38 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus tonight, which is Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight contest between Alejandro Perez, who is 21-8-1, and Johnny Eduardo, who is 28-12. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick additional notes here before we get rolling. Of course, this is going to be more of a quick cast. We're going to bring you the odds cast a little bit quicker, more to the point. So we're going to mention the opening and closing betting odds, our quick thoughts on the event, and then roll on. I know if you guys out there just kind of want to get to the nitty gritty, so that's what we're going to try to provide for you, of course, because we want to get this out. And we want to get you guys the information that you deserve. So it's going to be a little quicker than normal quick cast, but the information should be solid, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Now, of course, as always, the opening betting odds that I am referring to are market opening prices, and they are available to be found at MMAOzBreaker.com. Check out our UFC Vegas 38 opening betting odds article done by Adam Martin. Those are market opening prices. Now, the current updated odds are from Circus Sports in Las Vegas, so in the state of Nevada, in the state of Iowa soon, and of course, we're in Colorado. So anywhere in the world, you could download our Circus Sports app and check it out and check out our current betting odds. But if you're in those states that I just mentioned, make sure you head over make a deposit and get in the game with us here at Circus Sports. It's the place to bet MMA for sure. There's no doubt about that. So that's where the updated and current market prices I will be quoting are from. Now, getting right into the fights, as Brian mentioned, Perez Eduardo. Perez open minus 200. The comeback at Eduardo plus 170. The current price at Circus Sports, Perez minus 245. The comeback at Eduardo plus 210. This should be a fun fight. I mean, both these guys like to stand and bang. I think when it comes down to it, you just have to favor Perez at this point. I know more action has come in his way. I think it's probably right. I mean, the age factor in Eduardo and the consistency of him fighting, I think is going to be a little bit too much. I think Perez is a little bit more durable at this point, and he should be able to get this spot and win this fight. So for me, I'm going to lean and pick Perez, but at the current price, you have to respect Eduardo. So I don't recommend a bet or a play on Perez. I think the line value has kind of flown away. So I think you stay away from it. But my pick will be Perez to win this fight over Eduardo. Yeah, the age is ridiculous in this fight because you just don't see 40 plus year old fighters that are sub lightweight. Um, you just, you need that, those reflexes. You need that speed uh, when you're that small. I mean, it makes all the difference in the world uh, to avoid getting hit. I mean, I'm sure Eduardo's power is still there and Perez, he is slightly chinny. So if Eduardo connects with something nasty, he can absolutely still put Perez's lights out. I I would honestly be, if 
you're betting Eduardo, you might as well just bet the Eduardo by knockout prop instead. Um, but that being said, uh, Perez is going to be faster. He's going to be more well-rounded. And, you know, technically, while Eduardo does have, you know, a lot more history with his striking, uh, I think Perez should be able to hold his own on the feet with him as well. Um, it just boils down to can Eduardo clip him before Perez clips Eduardo? Uh, because uh, we have seen uh, Eduardo, you know, get hurt as well on the feet. Uh, in his three of his last four losses, he was finished in all of them. Uh, granted, you know, <laughs> that dates back to 2018, 2017, and 2015. I mean, this is Eduardo's first fight in over three years. So, uh, you know, I'm just shocked that he even still wants to be fighting. But I'm going to side with Perez because I just can't trust Eduardo. But you got to remember, the guys he lost to were pretty good. So if Perez does not bring his A game, Eduardo could sleep him. But I am picking Perez. Now, sticking with the Bantamweight division, moving over to the women's side, we have Shayna Young, who is 7-3, taking on Stephanie Egger, who is 5-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Young, minus 150. Edgar, plus 130. That was the opening market price. And right now, with the circuit sports, we're seeing Edgar, minus 130 to come back on Young, and plus 110. So more action coming in Edgar's way. I understand that. I think the line is closer to where it should be right now, minus 130. Though there are some market prices out there on the Don Best screen. We're seeing minus 140s, 145. So more action is coming in on Edgar. She seems to be the public. And some sharper action, of course, early on coming in her way as well. So it seems like that's the overall side for people out there. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. It'll be a close, good decision type of fight. I think both these ladies can have their moments. I think it's going to be interesting to see who wins a stand-up exchange. I think it'll be fairly close. Of course, Edgar probably wants to get this fight to the floor and control this fight and kind of grind Young out. She might be able to do that, so slightly towards her. I'm going to pick Egger, but at the betting window, I think all the line value has been extracted, and, and you kind of have to side with the dog here either way. So it's a dog or pass situation for me, but I'm going to lean towards Egger. And I understand the Egger pick. I mean, she does have some decent judo skills, and if she can throw uh, Young to the ground, she should be able to win. Um, but Egger's stand-up is a serious work in progress, and... I think uh, if Young can keep her distance, she should just be able to pick her apart on the feet. Uh, This fight's really just going to boil down to can Egger close that distance, and if she does, is she going to be able to utilize her judo to to get Young, you know, out of her element? Because Young wants to, you know, stay in kickboxing range and just outpoint Egger, if not try to knock her out at some point. Um, You know, both of these ladies have struggled so far in their uh, UFC appearances, but uh, I think, you know, again, if Young can keep the standing, she should be able to win. And I'm going to trust uh, Young here because, you know, Egger having to rely more on judo to get this to the ground instead of wrestling, it's just not quite that same uh reliability. So I'm going to go with Young. I think she does keep her distance and outpoints Egger over the course of three rounds. Now, again, sticking with the Bantamweight division, and this time, again, moving over to the men's side, we have Douglas Silva Andrade, who is 26-4, and four, taking on Gaetano Perello, who is 15-6-1. Now, Nick, 
Where did this fight open? And how has the public shifted things so far? Andrade minus 200 to come back on Pirello at plus 170. That was the opening price. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 245 to come back on Pirello plus 210. So another spot where the favorite gets fed up. I think, again, the initial action is probably right. Where it's at now, the line value is kind of tough either way because I think you have to favor Andrade in the spot. I think he is the more complete, well-rounded fighter. I think the stand-up is going to be close. That's the best path to victory for Pirello, of course, is trying to bust Andrade up on the feet and win that way and be successful that way. But I think overall, Andrade is the better, again, more complete fighter. He look for some takedowns here and he can mix it up and probably win the exchanges on the feet as it goes as well. So Andrade should be the side here, but at the price, again, if you got it at minus 200, that's one thing, but laying two and a half to one at this point, I think you have to stay away from it. So tough one to bet. I'm going to pick Andrade. He should be the more complete fighter and the better fighter and get the W here. Yeah, and a stand-up fight that should be reasonably close. I mean, Perello in almost all of his losses, it's been when he's been out grappled and submitted. And that's just not something that I think Andrade is going to be looking for. I mean, this is a guy that likes to stand and bang on the feet. Um, so Perello's going to be competitive. I mean, this should be a really interesting back-and-forth slugfest. Um, but I'm going to side with Andrade, even though he might not even be as technically sound standing as Perello, but... He's just been in there against some killers. Um, you know, Andrade has already fought, uh, you know, former champion Hayden Barrow, current champion Peter Yan, and then top contenders like Marlon Vera, Rob Font. So, uh, you know, I just really am going to go with his experience against top competition, whereas Perello has fought one time in the UFC and been submitted. So, uh, I just think I'm going to trust that experience over Perello's, you know, youthful exuberance. So, uh, Andrade is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Jamie Malarkey, who is 13 and 4, taking on Devante Smith, who is 11 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Smith minus 110, Malarkey minus 110. Right now, over Circus Sports, we're seeing Smith minus 145, Malarkey plus 125. Early action coming in on Devante Smith. It got actually higher than where it's currently at. Market wide, we're seeing minus 150s out there. It's minus 160s out there at one point as well. So now we're starting to see a line kind of come back down, as it should be. I think the opening price is much more fair than what we're seeing right now out there, which I understand, again, the hype and the potential that Devontae Smith has. It's just so fun watching this guy fight. I mean, when he's on, he's on. He delivers some punishment, just a highly real knockout type of martial artist. That's what you get with Devontae Smith. But he is flawed defensively. His, I think his conditioning, there's a lot of things in his game that he has to kind of tighten up a little bit and get better to improve and to kind of reach his potential. Where I think Malarkey at this point is kind of ahead of him across the board. Malarkey also has that knockout power. I mean, he won't get as much as respect, I think, from the overall betting public and, you know, the MMA community out there on the feet as somebody like Smith. But he can definitely stand and bang and he can deliver some punishment as well. But I think he's the more complete fighter. I think he's a little bit more durable. I think he's the better ground fighter as well. So I think he has more ways to win this fight. So if you're giving me plus money on a guy like Jamie Malarkey, I think that's the way to go. So I think there's some value there. At plus money, I'm going to pick him straight out to win this fight as well. So I think it's Malarkey or pass, and I think it should be an exciting fight. This is one of the best fights on the card by far. So I'm going to pick Malarkey to get the upset win over Smith. And I'm right with you, actually. I mean, Devontae Smith, when he's on, he is terrifying. I mean, he has just some of the most powerful striking in the lightweight division. It's just, is he going to connect? Does he have the the technique to back up the power? Uh, so far, he's been able to get some wins over some 
lower tier UFC lightweights. Uh, Juliana Rosa is performing pretty well, uh, but uh, Dong Hyung Ma, low tier. Justin James, you know, just not quite that top notch type of opponent. Uh, even Kama Worthy wasn't really a, a great fighter, but uh, Worthy just took him out. So um, I'm a little worried about what happens if Devontae Smith hits Malarkey with his best shot and Malarkey is still there. Uh, I think Smith is a bit of a front runner. So if he wins this fight, I think he's just going to take Malarkey out right away. Uh, but if he can't, I can. I think Malarkey wins the second and third rounds and wins a decision, or Malarkey just overwhelms him and forces Smith to, you know, just completely fade, and Malarkey picks up a stoppage in the second or third rounds. So uh, I'm going to go with Malarkey's toughness here. Uh, I think this guy is uh, top-notch, and even though he hasn't had quite that same amount of success in the UFC, uh, in terms of wins, being one and two, those two losses were tough decisions against really good fighters in Riddell and Zion. Uh And then he turned around and steamrolled Worthy. So at least MMA math is on his side as well. So I'm going to go with Malarkey. I think he does take Devontae Smith's best shot and then turns the tides on him. So Malarkey is my pick. Now, returning to the women's bantamweight division, we have Carol Rosa, who is 14-3, taking on Betch Kohea, who is 11-5-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Rosa, minus 275. Kohea, plus 235. Right now, over at Circus Sports, Rosa is at minus 555. And come back on Kohea, plus 435. Market prices out there, man. We're seeing some 600s, some 700s out there as well, so... I mean, we're kind of a little bit lower, but our dog price out there is more competitive than most people as well. So the line margins are a little bit tighter circuit sports. That's why you're seeing 555 in comparison to like 600s out there or more. But that being said, sharp action coming in, hitting minus 275, hitting minus 300, hitting minus 400. They didn't hesitate to take Rosa at this price. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Obviously, this is Cohea's last fight. I think she's had a tremendous UFC career, much better than expected for most people. She's kind of flown under the radar, much tougher opponent to most as far as the higher level and higher echelon of uh, female fighters out there. I mean, she went in there and performed well. So hats off to her. I know she's not going to probably get the credit she deserves throughout her career. But that being said, typical spot for her, obviously, here against Rosa. Rosa can, should be able to pick her apart on the feet a little bit. It, it will be more competitive, I think, at times than most people think. But she can also mix in the takedowns and has nasty ground upon as we've seen as of late as well. So Kohei is not the easiest girl to take down and control that way. But at this point of her career, I think if anybody could do it, it's somebody like Rosa. So I'm picking Rosa. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend a bet at minus 555. If you miss a bet, boat at minus 275, 300, 400, stay away from it. Not worth taking at this point. I think she wins. I understand people are throwing her in parallels as well. But when the value's gone, it's gone. So be careful here. But I am going to pick Rosa. I think she ends up rolling here. Yeah, Rosa has gone 3-0 and in the UFC. And it makes total sense to side with her here because, uh, you know, she definitely is a fighter on the rise compared to Kohea, who is just about done. And... The one thing I am a little nervous about is, you know, she hasn't really blown people out and she hasn't really faced top competition yet. I mean, Procopio, then Mello, then Jocelyn Edwards. I mean, that's still pretty low tier, uh, you know, women's MMA opposition. Uh, she hasn't really been in there against any killers. And I mean, that's what Kohei has done her whole career, uh, you know, being in there against, you know, Ronda Rousey, uh, Holly Holm, 
Aldana. Um, so you have to at least respect that Kohei has been in there against some of the best in the world. She may not have beat them, but uh, she's she's competed against them. And Rosa really hasn't yet, um, at least not in the UFC. So I'm a little nervous um, that, you know, Rosa, who also hasn't fought that often, like once a year, um, that maybe she's, you know, a little rusty and maybe she's a little gun shy, but uh, Rosa should be the more technical striker. She should hit harder. She should be more well-rounded in terms of getting takedowns if she needs them. Um, I expect her to win a decision here, but anything can happen in women's MMA. And if Kohea just goes balls to the wall and, you know, kind of catches Rosa napping, maybe she steals a split decision. So uh, I totally agree. Minus 500, not worth it. But Rosa should still win. So Rosa is my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Antonina Shevchenko, who is 9-3, taking on Casey O'Neill, who is 7-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? O'Neill minus 300, Shevchenko plus 250. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, O'Neill minus 215, the combat against Shevchenko at plus 185. At first glance, Looks like that opening price. I mean, the way these ladies have been fighting as of late, O'Neal looking great in her last fight. Could be right, but looking closer at this fight, I think, again, we've said it time and time again. I just said it on the earlier show I did today as well. Recently biased is a thing. And O'Neal's looked great. Shevchenko's had some issues on the ground. And I think a lot of people are thinking that O'Neal's going to be getting those takedowns and controlling Shevchenko and giving her a lot of problems on the floor. I think that is possibility here for sure and that's why you have to favor O'Neal in this spot because she's looked great a lot of hype coming into her UFC career of course uh, but Shevchenko is much better than I think people are giving her credit for I think she is the more technical well-rounded fighter of the two of course she needs to stop those takedowns and if she gets on the ground she gets top position if she's able to stay off her back she could do some things on the ground as well so this is an intriguing fight I understand why the dog money came in on Shevchenko here it's a dog pass situation but as far as a coin flip type of fight of course you're going to lean towards O'Neal so I think I'm going to pick her, but as far as the betting winner goes, I think you have to look at the dog and just stay away from it. So my pick is O'Neal to get it done. And if she does win this fight, it's going to be impressive because this will definitely be the biggest cap, um, you know, in her career thus far for sure. So Shevchenko sisters, obviously, Antonina, not what we're used to seeing as far as the dominance of Valentina, but make no mistake, she's constantly improving and she's going to be game here in this fight. But my pick is still on you have to go with O'Neal because when Shevchenko loses, she gets out grappled. Um, that happened against Roxanne Monteferi. It happened against Caitlin Chukagian when she got out wrestled for three straight rounds. And most recently, Andrea Lee was able to rack up a, a triangle armbar to uh, tap her out. Um, now, she has made some improvements with her ground game, most notably, you know, getting a rear naked choke against Pudilova and then. You know, getting top position and ground and pounding Lipsky, uh, who at least has offered uh, some scary stuff off of her back in the past with uh, heel hooks and everything. So, I mean, she's not completely defenseless there, but the ground is O'Neal's world. I mean, O'Neal, if she gets you to the canvas, you're in trouble. I mean, she either wins by ground and pound or she wins by submission for the most part. Uh, so I have to side with O'Neal. I mean... If she gets Shevchenko on her back, 
Um, she has the ability to either keep her there and potentially win a decision. She has the ability to submit her. She has the ability to ground and pound her. Uh, if Shevchenko keeps this upright, then, you know, it's a completely different fight. But she really has not shown great takedown defense. And at 36 years old, I'm not expecting her to suddenly have elite takedown defense. I mean, she is just not her sister. Uh, I think she's a decent UFC flyweight, but not, you know, elite. Like she's more gatekeeper, at least in MMA. She's an elite kickboxer, an elite Muay Thai fighter. But in terms of MMA, it's just she got into the game a little too late. So I think O'Neal exploits that and gets the win. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Joe Selecki, who is 11-2, taking on Jared Gordon, who is 17-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Selecki minus 115, Gordon minus 105, and right now over at Circuit Sports, it's Selecki minus 135, the comeback on Gordon plus 115. And this is a tough one for me. I mean, obviously, right away, I want to pick Selecki. He looks so good. I think the sky's the limit for him, man. If he keeps on improving that striking, he's got that dominant grappling game. Of course, his wrestling is decent. So it's going to come down to who the better wrestler here is. I think the feet will be close. Selecki's improving enough that he might have a slight advantage. But, man, Gordon does bring it. He's pretty tough. And, of course, he's got that wrestling in his back pocket, never been submitted. So, Again, I'm kind of going back and forth as far as the head scratcher for because I've never been able to kind of correctly predict Gordon fights, meaning that he's always been one of those guys for me that it's been difficult for me predicting his wins and losses. So I'm just kind of throwing out there. So he's somebody I guess I underestimate a little bit too often, and he comes away with some quality wins. So he's a tough, tough out. But I am going to pick Selecki here because I do think he is the better fighter, and I get more upside here. And it's just, this fight is a 155, of course, as well. So a little bit more things pointing for me towards Selecki. But again, for me, I'm, I'm honestly going to stay away from this fight. I'm not betting this fight because Gordon could play spoiler. So it is what it is. I'm going to pick Selecki. Hopefully it's a pretty good fight. And I'm going Selecki as well. Uh, you know, honestly, I liked Gordon a lot more at featherweight. It's just a tough weight class for him to, to make the weight. So I understand him returning to lightweight, but this is also a division where he's been knocked out three times. Uh, now, granted, you know, they were pretty good opponents, but still, that is an issue. I, I think he's just not able to bully people at lightweight. He's not able to get his wrestling going quite as well at lightweight. So uh, we'll see how he performs. But uh, Selecki has looked pretty good in the UFC so far. That being said, uh, the opponents he faced, you know, Hubbard was pretty mid to low tier. And then Wyman and Miller are you know, I would say definitely past their prime. So, you know, how good is he really? I think we're going to find out here because Gordon is at least, you know, Hubbard level. So, but uh, I think Selecki should get the job done. I think on the feet, it's pretty close, but uh, Selecki has a much better chin. So if they're trading blow for blow, I think Selecki's the one that's still standing. And then while Gordon does have some good wrestling, uh, Selecki is the more dangerous grappler. So, you know, does Gordon really want to screw around with Selecki on the canvas? I don't know. So uh, I just, if Gordon can't bully Selecki, I think he's going to struggle here. And I think if they are trading punch for punch, Selecki is going to be the one that gets the knockdown. So I'm going to side with Selecki. Now, kicking off the main card, we have a lightweight contest featuring Alexander Hernandez, who is 12 and 4, taking on Mike Breeden, who is 10 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Hernandez minus 300 to come back. I'm bringing it plus 250. Right now, over at Circus Sports, minus 520 for Hernandez to come back. I'm bringing it plus 410. Look, I guess if you guys got on Hernandez at minus 300, obviously it's a good take, good price, win or lose. You guys crushed, you know, where the closing line's going to be because I highly doubt that we're going to see an overflow of breeding action coming into sports, sports books as well. I just think it's very difficult to trust Hernandez even in this spot here. So, again, you got in at that price, I understand it. But right now we're sitting at minus 520. Get out of here. I'm staying away from this one. Hernandez, just his inconsistency has let me down um, in the past, meaning that I'm expecting a lot more from him. And then he goes out and lays an egg, so to speak. So he's very capable, of course. I mean, he's got that natural athleticism, the knockout power, the wrestling. You know, he comes from a good camp. So he could definitely put it together and look really well. And he should here against Breeden, who's coming in on short notice. But... Breeden has some knockout power on the feet, of course, striking his, his, his best attribute. I think he could give Fernandez some problems here on the feet, of course, because Fernandez does have defensive flaws in this game for sure. So at this price, it's just too difficult to find value in Hernandez. So I'm going to pick him, of course, but hard to bet him. I think he gets it done, as he should, against the labor placement in Breeden. So we'll see where Hernandez goes from here, but I think he does get the W. Yeah, I mean, Hernandez is a bit unreliable. Um, as we've seen with his losses to, uh, you know, Cowboy, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, um, he can have his struggles. Um, he can get outstruck by a good striker. Uh, he can get knocked out by a good striker. Um, I'm just not quite sure Breeden is that guy. Uh, you know, Breeden is stepping up on crazy short notice after Leonardo Santos dropped out of the fight. Um, this is his UFC debut. Now, the one thing is when he wins, he does tend to win by knockout. So, I mean, if you're picking Breeden to win, you might as well just go all in and go Breeden by knockout prop. Uh, but uh, I think the most likely outcome here is that Breeden is just going to be overwhelmed. Um, you know, this guy, uh, the only time that he's really faced a UFC caliber opponent was on the contender series. And he got, you know, convincingly beaten by Anthony Romero. Um, so I have to side with that. Alexander Hernandez here, he should win convincingly, but if Breeden lands that big shot, uh, you know, he could shock the world. So again, I completely agree with Nick. Stay away from this one with uh, the current betting odds. Now, Moving up to the middleweight division, we have Misha Serkunov, who is 15-6, taking on Christoph Jatko, who is 22-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jatko opened minus 160, Serkunov plus 140. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Jatko minus 150 to come back on Serkunov at plus 130. Some more money coming at Serkunov's way. Of course, he's making his middleweight debut. Look, offensively, again, this guy's so talented. He's got a good ground game, has some good wrestling, underrated striking. I think he can put his hands and feet together pretty well and be effective. Jacko, on the other hand, I think he's been a pretty solid guy at middleweight, of course. Uh, I think he's a tough out, has usually that length over his opponents, although this is going to be pretty close as far as length goes. And, and he usually has a little bit of a striking advantage over most of his opponents as well. But defensively, again, he's flawed, and obviously can't really trust him in that regard either. And sometimes he just doesn't let those hands go. But if he gets top position on the ground, he could be nasty as well. So he's got that going for him. This is going to be a very intriguing and interesting fight because I think defensively these guys really concern me either way. So I'm going to pick Jodko because I think he probably can end up landing that maybe kill shot. Sir Kudov has been a bit chinny in the past, and I'm worried about that. That's my main concern, I think. 
even though Jocko King did not have a Sukunov, I still think he's a little bit more durable. And again, it's just question marks all over Sukunov's dropped the middleweight as well. So I'm leaning a little bit more towards Jocko, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sukunov gets it done here. In fact, I think it is a double pass situation because you cannot rightfully bet Jocko and lay this chalk, I think, in this spot here. So I understand the dog money coming in on Sukunov. I would probably go that way as well. Uh, but as far as a pure pick, though, I have to lean towards Jocko because, again, there's just too much untrust for me with Sukunov. Yeah, I mean, the big question is, you know, Serkunov was chinny and struggled with getting knocked out in the light heavyweight division. And now he's going to be taking on guys at dropping 20 more pounds. That's, that's not going to suddenly make his chin better. Um, so I'm super nervous about what's going to happen here. I mean, I know Jotko isn't exactly known as a huge knockout artist, but he is a good enough striker. So if... Serkunov screws around on the feet for any significant period of time. I think it's only a matter of time before Zhatko lands something and takes him out. But uh, Serkunov, if he does get it to the floor, I mean, the dude is a killer there. Uh, he has beat multiple top opponents in the light heavyweight division, including uh, you know Nikita Krylov, Ion Kutalaba, uh, Jimmy Crute, submitted all three of them on the canvas. So if he can get Jotko down and put him in a perilous position, I mean, it's lights out, but can he do it? That's, that's the real question. Um, this is his first uh, cut down to the middleweight division. So um, I'm going to be super curious to see how he performs. I'm going to side with Serkunov because uh, if he does get, I mean, it's such a huge advantage if he does get him down. Um, but, and he's not a terrible striker. It's just, if he does get hit, he's in huge, huge trouble. So I'm picking Sirkunov, but just be careful. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Nico Price, who is 14 and 5, taking on Alex Oliveira, who is 22, 10 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Price minus 110, Oliveira minus 110. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, price on the rise, baby. We're seeing all the way up to minus 185 and the comeback plus 160 on the other end with Oliveira. So crazy from minus 110 to minus 185. I'm saying crazy because, man, Oliveira just gets no respect at times. I understand he's been inconsistent. You don't know what you get with Oliveira. I think price has been improving. A little bit inconsistent in his performances as well, but at least there's more upside, and I see the growth in Price's game. Both these guys are extremely dangerous. I do trust Price a little bit more as the fight progresses. Uh, but again, defensively, they're both flawed. I think Oliveira is a little bit more technical. I think he is a better mixed martial artist. But again, inconsistencies kill me. He could be winning this fight and then just make one bonehead mistake and lose this fight as well. So it's frustrating, but that's why I think we have to kind of side with the better fighter as far as a bet goes. I don't think you can lay the chop on Price. I do expect him to probably win this fight and not be surprised if he gets a finish. But I would not be as comfortable laying minus 150, 60s out there, 70s out there that everybody's laying and, and has bent this price to where it's at right now because minus 185 plus 160, again, I think is a little bit too much. But dog will pass for me. I'm going to pick price again. If it's a pure pick on type of fight, of course, I'm going to price his way. I trust him a little bit more. And again, I think there's more upside. But I think Oliveira is way too dangerous to be laying what the current price is right now, minus 185. And I'm going to go with price as well. Um, now, Alex Oliveira technically is the better fighter. I mean, the guy has a decent ground game, and he's got pretty good striking technique. He's 
should be the better technical striker compared to Price. I mean, he's even faced a guy similar style to Price and won a decision against him in Max Griffin. Um, it just boils down to, is he going to stay focused? Because uh, Oliveira has a bad tendency to slow down randomly at the worst times. Um, he also, uh, while the ground game is a weakness in terms of defense, um, uh, he doesn't go on offense against people where it would help him out either. And uh, I think against Price who is almost exclusively a guy that is just trying to knock you out at any moment from any angle in any position, uh, why not take it to the ground and utilize some of that offensive grappling that he has? Uh, but uh, that being said, I just, I have to side with Price. He's he's not the most technical fighter, but he just has this ability to land these crazy shots. Uh, he he won against James Vick with an upkick. He won against Randy Brown with hammer fist from bottom of all things. Uh, so I just think if it turns into like a slugfest or a brawl, which I think Price absolutely wants, um, Oliveira is going to pay. Um, so if Oliveira can keep a technical, he'll win. But you know he just rarely keeps a technical. Uh, so I'm going to go with Price. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland, who is 21-7, taking on Kyle Daukas, who is 10-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Daukas, minus 110. Holland, minus 110. Right now, Holland, minus 185. Come back on Daukas, and plus 160. I do think the opening price here was wrong. Holland should be. A slight favorite coming into this fight. So I think the line is more accurately set now than what it was originally, unlike the other fight that we were just talking about with Price and Oliveira. So let me just say that from the rip. Man, this is tough because obviously what we've seen from Holland is kryptonite is that ground game, and the strength of Dawkins is obviously that ground game. So if he wins this fight, it's going to be because he is able to get the takedowns and possibly submit Holland with his nasty chokes around the neck. I mean, that's the thing with Douglas. He can utilize those chokes from any angle. If you get your back, obviously, um, but even with his Darce chokes, I mean, he's very slick and very capable finisher here, so Holland has to be careful. But it's Holland's fight to win or lose here, man. Douglas does not have the wrestling that the likes of Victoria or Brunson have, so I think Holland is in a good spot to stuff those takedowns and just pick Douglas apart. Douglas' stand-up's not bad, but it shouldn't equate to what Holland can bring to the table here, and I think Holland will bust him up. So, all comes to Holland. If he's able to stuff the takedowns here, you keep this fight upright, he's going to have success. Or if he can even get top position here as well, he can have success. So he just has to be careful again with those chokes he got. Outside of that, if he's able to not get submitted, I think he's going to win this fight. So for me, I understand the betting market shifting towards Holland, and I understand the early action coming his way as well. I think it's Hollander pass. It's a favorite pass situation. Again, as it creeps up closer to 2-1, to one, though, you got to be careful. I'm not recommending a bet at minus 185 at this point. But when you were able to get minus 140s, 150s out there, I do understand it. So my pick is Holland. I think he does rebound and get back on his kind of winning ways, so to speak. And, and this is a good spot for him because I think he'll earn some respect back where he kind of needs right now. Yeah, I mean, Holland is by far the better striker here. And if he keeps it upright, this should be a cakewalk, as Nick said. But Daukus does have a pretty good ground game. He has a nasty Darce choke. He can He's won about as many fights as well with rear naked chokes. So if Holland screws around and Daukus is able to close the distance um, and get the fight to the floor, he could pull off a submission. 
Uh, I'm not saying it's likely because Daukus offensive wrestling is not nearly as good as Marvin Vittori's and Derek Brunson's who were able to utilize their wrestling and neutralize Holland striking. But uh, I think Holland has been working to shore up that, that issue. And uh, Daukus is a good, at least litmus test to see if he can fend off some takedowns from a guy that clearly wants to grapple and then get his striking game going as well. Um, so I'm picking Holland, but again, if Daukus can get this to the floor, it could become anybody's game. So I'm picking Holland, but be careful, even though this should be a good bounce back fight for him. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we have Tiago Santos, who is 21 and 9, taking on Johnny Walker, who is 18 and 5. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Santos, minus 160 to come back on Walker, plus 32. And right now, over at Circus Sports, it's minus 155 for Santos to come back on Walker, plus 135. So, pretty solid opening line. I think, obviously, the market kind of going back and forth. It did rise a little bit towards Santos. Now it's coming back down as we get closer to fight day as well. So, again, very solid opening market price. I think it's fair. Santos has been more proven. I mean, he's been in a much better competition. I love his improvements along the way throughout his UFC career. I mean, he's become a very, very solid lead heavyweight, obviously, right? But he has some flaws in his game. He is getting older a little bit as well, so maybe his best days are behind him. He has had those surgeries on his knees. There's some question marks, you know, leading up to this point right now based on his last few performances. But make no mistake, he is the more technical fighter. This guy is a beast, and he's proven more thus far in his career than Walker has. But Walker, man, I mean, physically speaking, he is a beast as well. He's going to actually have some size over Santos, which is pretty rare for Santos. Usually he's the bigger, stronger fighter, but Walker can match him. In fact, he, he can actually exceed him in that regard. So Walker has some physical, natural gifts. He's got that knockout power. He's got that finishing ability as well. Both these guys have been chinning in the past. I think Santos overall has been more durable, especially as of late. But that being said, I think Walker's a type of fighter that can quickly end things, obviously, with his aggression and with this kind of wildness that he brings to the table. But what I like with Walker more than anything else is his ability to improve. I think his professionalism since he's got his UFC gig has, has really shown up, and he's, he's kind of learning how to train more properly, and he's getting better. So that's a scary thing about a guy like Walker. I mean, he's going to be obviously a much younger fighter, and I think he has more room to grow. So I think now when he's kind of putting everything together, getting the proper training, and just basically better on track to where he wants to be in his career than he was before. That's a scary thing. So if he can continue to work on that cardio, continue to work on improving his game, he can win this fight against Santos for sure. So I'm actually going to pick Walker. I think it's a dog or pass situation here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes Santos. But again, it's, it's kind of going out a limb a little bit based on what Santos has done throughout his career. Maybe it's a little bit more potential over credentials, as we like to say on UFC on the line. But that being said, I still think I have to side with Walker. I cannot lay the chalk on Santos, so I'm just going to pick up straight out to get the W. Should be a fun fight while it lasts. And I have to go the other way. I mean, I know Tiago Santos has been struggling uh, on a three-fight losing streak, but you, you look at the guys he's lost to, you know, John Jones by split decision in a fight you could argue he potentially won. Uh, and then Glover Teixeira, uh, who is currently fighting for the heavy light heavyweight title and Alexander Rakich, who is like right next in line after that. Um, it's not the worst thing, you know, three of the best of the best. And before that he was just crushing killers, uh, including, 
uh, you know, Jan Blakovich and uh, Jimmy Manoa and Anthony Smith. Like, so really high quality wins in uh, the, the UFC. So I know that he's capable of going in there against some of the best in the world and not just winning, but finishing them. So Johnny Walker, we really haven't seen that yet. I mean, he, what, I mean, honestly, what's his best win so far in the UFC? Sirkunov, uh, Ryan Spann, and even in the Spann fight, he almost got finished. Uh, I mean, he was on Queer Street in that last fight uh, before Spann, you know, kind of made a bit of a boneheaded move shooting in for a takedown when he had him on the ropes and then, uh, you know, got elbowed in the head. So, and before that, you know, Krylov beat him. Corey Anderson knocked him out on the feet. I mean, if Anderson can knock him out, Tiago Santos should be able to obliterate him on the feet. Uh, but uh, as Nick said, Walker is, you know, the younger fighter. And the other big concern with Santos is, you know, he did have those two knee injuries in the John Jones fight back in 2019. And he hasn't quite been the same since. So at 36 years old or 37 years old, he clearly could be in the decline. Although, you know, fighters can last a little bit longer at those upper weight classes where uh, you don't quite need as much speed and, and uh, the quick reflexes. So I'm going to side with Santos. I just think he's the more technically sound fighter here. And if they get into, you know, a more technical fight, Santos should be the one landing those nastier shots and getting out of the way. And Walker is pretty chinny. I mean, getting knocked out by Corey Anderson and then almost getting finished by Span, uh, and now facing somebody that is so much more technically sound than either of those guys, uh, I have to go with Santos. So Santos is my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 38. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll give them out first. Um, you can also check out the free bets page on the top tab of MMAOddsBreaker.com. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.